Coming up on today's Locked on Bucks, we uh, get back into the discussion that we had a little bit on yesterday's show. It seems as though there's a lot of Bucks fans that are not happy with the process of these wins. So we'll dive into what their performance in the clutch actually means here and take a look at a big matchup tonight in Miami. Not just a rivalry renewed with the Miami Heat, but all the scenarios in play for the in-season tournament as this is the final group play game for both these teams. We'll take a look at the scenarios and more on today's Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into Locked on Bucks. I'm Justin Garcia. You're here on the podcast frequently joined by Camille Davis. You can also hear her on the Technical Foul podcast. And we thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and viewable on YouTube as well. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And uh, today's edition of Locked On Bucks is brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel, make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. $150 just if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Uh, Camille, so I mentioned at the top, when we reconvened here, when we caught up yesterday, um, the euphoria of holy cow, the Bucks had the largest comeback in the league this season, and it was their largest second half comeback in franchise history of erasing a 26 point deficit. Um, what at about like the three minute mark into the uh, third quarter? So you did it in about 20 minutes of game time, which on the surface, impressive. We won't mention that the opponent wasn't all that good that the Bucs did it against. And, you know, for the first half, you made the worst, arguably worst offense in the league. I look like a pretty good group there. But look, my takeaway, and I think you were in the same camp with me when we discussed this, was as much as there was to be discouraged by what you saw in those first 20, what, seven minutes. I don't want to lean back on this crutch of, well, Bucks and early tips. I mean, it's name a worst combo that's out there, uh, but that has been something the last couple of years. And the way that they just changed things massively in the second half. Again, it's not a playoff team, and it's not one of the top 10 teams in the league, even in the top half that you did this against. But it was a night and day difference that we saw from one half to the next, where you held the Blazers to 34 points in the second half. And I don't care who you play. Coming back from 26 points in 20 minutes is still impressive. So that's the way I chose to view it. And yet it just seems like there's this groundswell of, I don't know that I like what we're seeing here from this Bucks team. It's great that they're you know performing so well in the clutch, but we shouldn't be in these clutch situations. And I can get the frustration that comes around, you know, being down that big to a team like Portland this season where they don't have many wins. You know that they're not trying to be not even a playing team like they're really just trying to figure out what their young guys can do 
and hopefully get more draft capital to be able to continue to build around them going forward. They're in a completely different life cycle of an NBA team than what the Milwaukee Bucks are, which is a team you expect to be competing for a championship. So when you have a team with those types of aspirations behind them and they're going up against a club like Portland with where they are in the life cycle, people expect for this to be a very easy win. You're looking at the schedule and you're like, that's a dub. That's one that we should get. So when you get to that game and it's difficult and it's like Portland is shooting lights out and you're like, this is the worst three-point shooting team in the league. How are they shooting above 50% from three at half? Like you're just, you're confused and you're like, what are we doing wrong in this process? But I know people don't like hearing that outlier shooter uh, phrase too much anymore as a Bucks fan, but like Portland was seeing some of that in the first half. And in the second half, the Bucks made some adjustments, were able to lock in a little bit more, and they were able to get their offense going and return. And it didn't look pretty. So again, I can understand the frustration around being in that position. But I do think that there's something to be said about being able to come back in those situations and not just packing it in on a random, you know, Sunday game in November. Like, it's easy to pack that one in. You might have gone out for Saturday night, whatever the case may be, and come Sunday, it's like I have to play a game. This isn't what I'm looking forward to doing, but they were able to come out with a win. And that's ultimately something that you're trying to do if you are a championship contending team, right? Like we're trying to figure things out, but we also don't want to fall too far behind in the standings while we're figuring things out. So if I had to choose a way for this to look, I'd rather them continue to figure it out while they're getting dubs along the way uh, than any other prospect. But again, I get the frustration because if you think about when Bud came in, implemented his system, the Bucks got off to a flying start. Like it was like quickly you saw this system is working for this group of personnel. I can see what this team is going to be. And I think part of the frustration that comes in for some people, I can't speak for everybody, but I know for myself where it's like, my questions around identity, like who, who is this team? What is the identity of this team? And they're still figuring it out. And I can get frustrated about that fact that they're still figuring it out, but I don't take it to heart because I understand it's a long season and there was a lot of change. And I know other teams had change as well, but some teams can adapt to change a little bit quicker than other teams can. So uh, at this point for myself, I'm happy we're able to get a win. I just hope that they can continue to look at the film and you continue to see progress on a week-by-week basis with this team. Because again, like I've been saying, we don't want to be having these same conversations in January and February where it's like, why can't they seem to figure this out? For now, I'm cool. But if these conversations continue to happen you know, months from now, then I'll start to be worried. But for now, I'm, I'm just taking it for what it is. I think, and it's it's a good point you bring up too about, uh, it was, what, a 7-0 start? I, I think Bud's I first think so. year and how... They just kind of hit the ground running. I think a big part of that, though, is they grabbed all the low-hanging fruit that was out there, and there was just so much that they did under the previous regime, not to not to disparage Jason Kidd as a coach. There was so much they did that you just questioned, why are they doing this? And I think Coach Budenholzer came in and said the same thing of, why are you doing this? And here, we're just going to do this. We're going to grab the low-hanging fruit. We're going to raise the floor of this group. And that was a big part of it. I, I don't think it's it's quite to the extreme and the negative. It's a big change, but they've gone in the opposite way where it's, Hey, I know everything you did here worked for the first four games. We're going to do things radically different. And then after that, it was, well, maybe we should lean on some of what that group did before. So that's all part of um, the process for this team as we keep using that word uh, this year. Um, And those changes that we've seen in the up and down play, but I'm with you that look, I'm not saying that you should leave 100% encouraged that 
they fell behind by 26 points to the Trailblazers or that they continue to get off to these slow starts in the first quarter. I mean, that's really the million-dollar question that Griff was asked about last week. A number of players were, and they all gave the same response of essentially, you know, look, if we knew why this was happening, it wouldn't happen anymore. So I, I don't really have an answer for you. So there are still things. I think the overall point is there's still plenty of things for this team to continue to improve upon, but you know, there's, there's no way to, to back this up. I, th- I think you're aligned with this as well. I just think a lot of these games that the bucks have prevailed in now in these clutch situations where they're what seven and two, I believe. I think a lot of these games, they're not winning last year or really the year prior to that, even the year they won the title, that those were games. We saw this team struggle in those clutch situations. Having Damian Lillard is a big part of that, that, he lifts that uh, that ceiling for you, and he's a guy that has been a proven closer throughout his career. But these are all games the Bucs are not winning in the past. And I get it's a regular season game, but when you do this in the regular season, you start to build habits, and that carries over into the playoffs. Absolutely. And we don't want those bad habits to continue to carry on with the slow starts, with taking your opponent for granted, whatever it might be that's causing this team to get off to slow starts. You don't want to continue to see miscommunication. You want to see guys talking like what's going on in Memphis right now with the Grizzlies team. Like we thought things would be a little shaky without Ja, but you're seeing players having to be like, yo, if we keep playing this way, we're not going to win anything. Like we're not talking. This is embarrassing. The effort. And if one thing you can say about this Bucks team is that the effort is always there. And to your point about what Dane brings, like I mentioned this during our post-game show last night after the Blazers game, where we've been that team that gets these big leads and then we would blow them. Like we saw that in the playoffs last year against Miami, where no lead was safe. And for Miami to have that in them, where it's like, I don't care how big this lead is, we're going to keep hooping. We're going to keep giving that effort. We're not giving up until that final buzzer sounds off like you kind of want that in your team because that's heart that that's what it comes down to that's effort that's not giving up that's not letting the scoreboard dictate how you're going to play you're going to continue to give it your all and when you come playoff time like you need that spirit in you to be able to handle adversity because things aren't going to be easy so again there are some positives I'm seeing from this team It's not all the way there, of course. There are things they can work on for sure. Uh, But to be 12 and 5 while you're still trying to figure it out in November as we enter into December, when the schedule is going to, you know, ramp up a little bit, I think we're in an okay spot given everything else that's going on around this team at the moment. And look, so in if we just look at the first and fourth quarter, it's a night and day difference for the Bucs where – uh, their offense is the 26th rated offense in the league, and I know it's just 12 minutes we're looking at, but 26th in offensive efficiency in the first quarter, first in the fourth quarter, and it's more than 25 points per 100 possessions that are differentiating those two. The defense slightly worse by uh, the numbers in the fourth quarter, but I, I think, again, that speaks to Damian Lillard. They're right in line, which of where this team has sat that the 14th in defensive efficiency in the first 18 in the fourth i think they're around 20th for the year as a whole but as we continue to look at the numbers starting with that Knicks game when the changes uh, really came into place they're right around what 14th or 15th so the defense has been fairly consistent now for what a couple of weeks and it's it's been what we asked for that it's been basically League average or better than league average defense. And we've just seen the offense take over in the fourth quarter. And and again, a big part of that 
is uh, is Damian Lillard. So they have the best offense and the second best net rating in the fourth quarter. Uh, we talked about some of those clutch numbers as well. I do want to get to that specifically uh, what we have seen from Damian Lillard recently because I, I I think you can make a strong case. We we all left the season opener against the 76ers saying, man, this is uh so this is this is Dame time. This is what it's like to have this guy. Um, but I think you can make an even stronger case that Damian Lillard has been even better than most of us anticipated in those uh, moments of the game. I do want to tell you about uh, FanDuel first, and right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks just if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. All you have to do is head to fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off this season. Again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and begin your season here. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So I touched on it uh, just a couple of seconds ago here, Camille, but Damian Lillard, um, better than advertised in the clutch. I think that, number one, it's just the mindset that you have, right? When you know, well, we got this guy on our side. Like Case in point, it, it's we'll add the caveat once more. It was the Portland Trailblazers. This wasn't the Boston Celtics or the Miami Heats or you name them, any playoff team. But just knowing you're up by possession or it's a tie game, we got Damian Lillard. So if it's tied, even when he struggled, I trust this guy to hit a shot in this spot or to get to the free throw line and then make those. And when it's a, a, a game where you're up to know, well, all we got to do is get the ball into Dame and it's basically a guaranteed two points at the free throw line. Yeah, and that's the big key of it as well because for years when it comes to guys who are going to be at the free throw line for the Milwaukee Bucks, the only consistent name was going to be Giannis over and over again. And it's not as if Giannis is a 80% plus free throw shooter. So it was, it's a, it's a 50, 50 proposition when you get him at the line, except for, you know, game six in the clutch and that situation, Giannis is going to come through for you, but to be able to have another guy on your team, like Damian Lillard, who can also find his way to the free throw line and get something out of nothing when things aren't even looking good for him. We've seen games so far this season where he's not shooting well. It's an inefficient shooting game from the field, but you see the free throws and it's eight of nine, 10 of 10, whatever the case may be. To have another guy who's able to consistently bring that pressure to that defense and get to the free throw line is going to be such a clutch factor in the playoffs for this team because you have another guy you can do it. And this guy is a 90 plus percent free throw shooter at that. So you love to see it. And something else with the, the Dame time in the clutch that I didn't think too much about is that if you have someone like Damian Lillard on your team, which the Bucks do now, and on offense, once like, hey, we've got to get the ball in his hands and we trust his decision making to either find the best shot, make the right pass, just make the right decision in this moment. It's really interesting how that's also been able to free up Giannis in a different way. So Giannis must know going into it, like, I don't have to carry this by myself. And we've been seeing the defensive effort that Giannis is putting in. He's always been a guy who's going to give his all. But I've been wondering like how much of Dame being there on the offensive side 
has freed up Giannis to be like, I can go even harder on defense now because I know I have this guy that has my back here. And coming to the season for that reason, I was like, this might be a defensive player of the year type of year for Giannis. And we also know that, you know, coming into the season, he made the the post about how he was tired of respect and he was coming for everything. So additional motivation for him while also having someone to share the load and you can focus your attention um, wherever it needs to be in that time, whether that's rebounding, getting a stop, making a block, whatever it is. And if the ball ends up in your hands, you know how to get to the rim and put pressure on that as well. And also someone who the ball's in your hand, I'm not scared about what you might do next. So like, I just think that it balances out what Giannis brings to the table so well, in addition to what Dame can do in the clutch on his own. So Damian Lillard right now has scored 56 points in the clutch which is 15% of his overall point production this season. You look at last year, and again, it's tough to, to really get an apples to apples because of where that Blazers team was and the amount of clutch games that they played in. But last year, he scored 86 points in all of those clutch situations uh, throughout the season. He's already up to 56 points um, right now. And I get 58 games that he played in a year ago, but he's he's scored 56 points in the clutch in 15 games played. Uh, if you look back to really 2021, the 2020-21 season, um, that was another year. Those those two years, the uh, 1920 season when that Blazers team was in some of those clutch games as well, and uh, played in the first ever play-in tournament game. The point I'm, I'm trying to make here is, on average, for the most part, when Dame has been in those spots. You're looking at about like 5%. I think two years or three years ago, it was 8% of his points came in the clutch. I know this isn't going to carry throughout the season, but 15% and the and the fact that he is already up to 56 points in those situations speaks to his reputation in there and, and how he's lived up to that reputation. And also that last point you made too. Of I, I think we have seen Giannis basically saying, all right, these last two minutes are yours. Like I'm still going to attack in transition, but when we know it's we got to ice the game or it's a tie game and we need a big shot, we've seen Giannis defer to Dame in those spots. And that's a learning process as well because Giannis is used to having the ball in his hands. Like these, we've talked about it. These are two very high usage rate players who both operate with the ball in their hands more often than not. Dame, of course, more because of that guard, you know, aspect of things. But for Giannis to be a big, like he had the ball in his hands a lot for this Bucks team. So to hear those clutch numbers with the understanding that these two guys are also still getting used to playing with one another and to see Giannis say like, hey, you already got it in this moment. I'm cool with that. We can figure this out as we continue to go on. Like those are the encouraging signs that you see because even early on, just watching this Bucks team come together, some early like, feedback I had was just like I wish the ball was in Dame's hands just a little bit more just throughout the game not just in the clutch but throughout the game but to see them in clutch where Giannis is like I don't have any second question about it here you run this I mean it's a great sign of what can come and like I mentioned being able being able to perform in the clutch uh, it's going to come in handy in the playoffs when the stakes are high because you're going to find yourself in a lot more of those close situations when teams have more time to game plan, when all that they're doing is watching film on your tendencies, your habits, what you can do. And after a certain point in the series, it's like, I know what you're going to do and you know what I'm going to do. Who's going to be able to stop it or who's going to be able to make a bigger play in the moment when things count. So to have Giannis and Dame, this pairing where it's like an offensive defensive thing too, to think about where it's like, 
Giannis as a roamer, Giannis playing defense is whew, that's 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 tough to get around. We saw it even in this Portland game, which again, level comp, we understand. But when he got switched on to Brogdon, I said, like, we'll we'll see how this goes. And I'm so glad that Grip had that last challenge to use in that situation. Because had he not, Giannis fouls out, and who knows how the rest of that game goes. But um, again, we've seen it time and time again with Giannis and his defensive efforts, and now we've seen it time and time again already in Milwaukee with Dame and his offensive efforts. So the pairing makes sense. There's still things for them to work out. There's things for this team to work out, as we've already talked about. But I think there are encouraging things to take um, from Dame's performance in the clutch, especially since he's still finding his legs at this point to his point right, that he's made. Like, I didn't get the time to play this summer. Like, my first time hooping was in training camp with this squad. Like, he's still figuring things out, getting his legs together. So to see that he still comes through in the clutch at the very least, like, it's encouraging. No, it's it's a good point because um, what it was somewhat early in the fourth quarter, um, Giannis picked up his his fifth foul against DeAndre Ayton, and it, it was a close play. It, it was likely a foul. But I made the point of, I wonder if you consider challenging this because that is the fifth foul on Giannis. And we saw Griff did not. He waited, and um, it, it paid off big time that you were able to challenge that Malcolm Brogdon um, play. And I, I, I was frankly surprised Malcolm Brogdon didn't go to that a little bit earlier, that there was a possession or two earlier when Giannis was on him. We know how good we've seen it here in Milwaukee, how good Malcolm is mm-hmm. at just kind of catching you off guard. And he's got that just subtle athleticism and quickness that he can get to his spot and, and get into your body and get contact. Um, but again, another, I think if we're, we're looking at silver linings here, it's another area where I think we have seen improvement from, from Griff is this is his first time being the guy in charge of the challenge. We saw some early challenges very, very early in the season. And now we've seen more judicious approach there. Mm-hmm. So that has been a, a big, big key to uh, everything we've seen from this group continue, continuing um, to grow as a group as well. I do want to spend quite a bit of time on tonight's group play matchup between the Bucks and the Heat. The in-season tournament will uh, do another gauge check on uh, your level of enthusiasm for this. I'll share mine and go through some of these scenarios and play for the Bucks because they're in a very good spot to advance into the knockout round regardless of tonight's result. Uh, we'll get to that momentarily before we do have to uh, tell you about prize picks. Prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. So instead of battling thousands of other players, you never know if you're getting pros or sharks. Now it's just you and the numbers. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and then watch the winnings roll in. Basketball season, obviously, here. So you can pick you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. It is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports. So for example, if you wanted Damian Lillard three pointers and uh, let's just say uh, Jordan love touchdown passes, and you put that number in there at over five and a half, that's something that you could do in this combo league. If you want to play alongside some of prize picks, favorite players like Meek Mill, Comedian Andrew Schultz, you can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each 
week. It is so easy to use. And as we said, there's a wide array of options, multi-sport options as well to really keep your interest in it throughout the day in numerous sports. Just go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That website again is prizepicks.com slash NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And uh, Camille, as, as you're well aware, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today, it's here for your 24 uh, 7 as we cover the top stories of the day with local experts of the Locked On shows, plus our national shows covering every league go to locked on sports today on youtube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel you've already seen locked on bucks on there uh, a couple of times with some big games that this team has had in the last week speaking of big games tonight in miami uh, arguably none bigger at this point in the season which i kind of joke about but i'm actually kind of serious too and we know so the stakes are this if the Bucs win, they advance to the knockout. Uh, if they lose, there's still a decent chance we can get to in a second. But it's going to be interesting to see the level of competition in this game. Not that either of these teams would just say, ah, oh, it's a regular season game. But to see what level of intensity it gets up to. Because, again, Bucks know they win, they're in. The Miami Heat know if we win and the Knicks lose, we're in. Um, so what that's going to bring out from both sides and then, oh, by the way, the added rivalry between these two teams for the last five or so years. That's the piece I was going to touch on, too, is like before you even throw in the end season tournament aspect of it, like these are rivals. Like this is Miami and Milwaukee. These are two teams that for years have had beef with each other. Like it's been playoff matchups for a few years from the bubble to our championship year to now the embarrassing, you know, eight seed knocking out the one seed last year. but. You throw in that, you add in the fact that, you know, Miami historically somewhere where Giannis hasn't played the greatest. Um, so you wonder how that's going to look. And then you throw in the fact like, oh, hell, hey, there's also this in-season tournament that's new to the league this year. But if your team wins, you get half a million dollars. Like you, every player, half a mil. And, and we've Griff, already heard the players Right. And the coaches get their bag too. So we've heard multiple times from players, not even just on the Bucks, but just saying, half a million dollars is something yeah that definitely encourages me to want to play harder so i'm looking forward to seeing the intensity levels here especially since this is the last game in group play for the bucks for the heat and this it's not for all the marbles but pretty much at this point like it's most oh, of those yeah. marbles because depending on how this game goes will dictate if you're able to continue on and see if you can get a shot to make it to vegas to play for this grand championship here and a lot of people have had jokes about the end season tournament and I get it. It's something new. We don't know exactly how it's going to, to play out, but I've really been enjoying it so far. It's, it feels different and it could just be because of the aesthetics of it all, the different courts, different jerseys. Um, I mean, we saw Draymond choke a man out during an end season tournament game. You know, the intensity of the NBA cup. <laughs> no, I think he just wanted to do that the whole time, but jokes aside, like you're seeing guys take this serious. And I think as it continues on, like you're going to see continue to pick up because at the end of the day, these guys are athletes and they're competitors. So for anything else, they just want to be able to say, yeah, I won that first thing. 
Like that's me. Like my name's on this forever. I won that. And then I got paid on top of that as well. So like, I love that the NBA is trying different things to make games this early in the season feel different, mean something. Um, and to bring in more eyes onto the product, because I mean, the common refrain is that the NBA season doesn't start until after Christmas anyways. So to have people wanting to watch games and tune in to see what this looks like in early December, that's a win for the league in my book. That that last part was was what I was was going to bring up in, until you mentioned it. And that look, um, has this cured the regular season and, and those issues that a lot of fans have pointed to for the last few years? No, but I think everybody kind of questioned initially why. Because at first the moniker was the mid season tournament, which mm-hmm. we came to find was oh, it's it's more in season when you saw where it was placed. But that that's what everybody kind of pointed to was the. Why are we calling this the midseason tournament when it's being played um, in December? And, and then the other part of, well, why are we playing this in December when you're still competing with football? I, I think you're seeing the reason why in that football is still going to dominate these months on the calendar whenever it's in play, but you're at least taking some of it away. You're not going to take a majority, but you're at least taking some of that share where you're in the spotlight and people are discussing the in-season tournament and they're, Hey, here's the scenarios that are in play. And I think part of the courts too was a process of let's just do everything that we can to get all the attention and make this a subject that's discussed by our fans and media members. And I think it's worked. And, you know, I've talked about before too. I think if we use the, uh, the play in tournament as any barometer, I think this is going to change next year, not radically, but you'll have some subtle changes and it'll continue to get better. But, you know, the players have bought into this, at least most of them. I know DeMar DeRozan is very much on the outskirts of that. But most of the players have bought into it. I think a lot of the coaches have as well. And, you know, especially Friday night, we had some very interesting and competitive games, not just with the way that Bucks wizards game ended, but you saw, what, at least two other games in the Western Conference where those teams were playing to win and they were playing to increase their point differential. So... With all of that, I think so far it's been a success for the league. I wouldn't be surprised if the number of games is increased next year to, number one, help out with some of those tiebreakers as well. So it's not just point differential. But the fact that it, it's it's been discussed as much as it has, I think there's an appetite for it. So uh, overall, I, I think this has been a success. And uh, we say that waiting to see how the Bucks will look in Miami. But, you know, we we both joked about, the rivalry between those two teams and and look Miami and whatever the building is called now these days, it has been a house of horrors of sorts for the bucks recently. I do think this being a group play game changes that where if this is just your standard regular season game, we've seen not just the bucks, a ton of teams catch the South beach flu. And before you know it, it's a 20 point game and, and who knows what happens the rest of the way. But I think this being an in-season tournament game, and the stakes that are in play for this game specifically will change that. So um, it's it's also the fact that you got Damian Lillard and his first game going to Miami where they thought they were going to uh, have him. So that'll add to that intrigue as well. I mentioned the scenarios, so we'll just quickly go over this. Again, if the Bucks win, they're in. That they will be uh, the winner of Group B. I think think we're doing seeding too, although the league has been very vague on that. I would assume you would have a one through four seed with that wild card. But if the Bucks win, they will have the most point differential in the East because they and the, the Pacers are currently tied. Pacers are done. 
So if you win, your point differential is going to be at least plus one from that game. So the Bucs would theoretically, if it exists, be the one seed with a win. Um, but that point differential part is interesting because this is almost going to feel like the last day of the regular season when you look at playoff seeding. If the Bucs lose, Miami, number one, hopes that the Knicks lose as well because mm -hmm. then it would just be the Bucs and the Heat tied at three and one. Miami would win the head-to-head -head tiebreaker and, and they would win the group. If the Knicks also win and they're playing the Hornets and the Heat win, we'd have a three-way tie. That's where point differential comes into play. And for the Bucs, the big thing there is if you lose, don't get blown out and hope the Knicks don't blow out the Hornets because I think it's plus 21 right now that they're up on the Knicks. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a margin that as long as you don't lose by 10 points, we'll say, and the Knicks don't win by 10 plus, you should be pretty good even if you lose in the Knicks win. Absolutely. And that point differential part is something that's so interesting to me because you mentioned DeMar DeRozan's comments about it. And I saw Jason Tatum also came out and said he doesn't like the point differential, have some respect for the game. And I'm in the mindset where it's like, let's have some fun. Like you can have respect for all the other games if you want to. We understand the rules. But right now what we're calling for is for buckets. So go and get some buckets. And if you don't want to be on the other side where you're feeling disrespected, stop them. Like it's it's at the very the end season tournament because of the point differential, it makes me feel like it's a little bit more like we just hooping like an AAU tournament, whatever the case may be. Like it's it's not NBA lights. It is just hoop. So if you've got a problem with it, you got to stop it. Otherwise, you're going to get scored on. And that is just going to be what it is. But like I mentioned, I'm I'm into it. I'm very much looking forward to it. And I hope that we come back with a post game show talking about a Bucks win uh, over the heat. It would be nice. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think you brought up the good point of nobody's shocked by this. The league made it very clear coming in. Point differential is going to be basically the primary tiebreaker because you're playing four games. So there's not going to be a lot of head to head opportunities. So don't all of a sudden play the respect for the game card when right. you knew. No, you got to score the most points. You got to outscore your opponent uh, by the most to uh, to advance in this. We'll, uh, we'll leave it there, and uh, later on, you and Frank will have the recap of that uh, game in Miami. Hopefully good things for the Bucs. And if the Bucs win, then uh, we can take a look at the knockout round because there's still a whole lot of ambiguity over not just that, but the schedule itself for a week that uh, you don't know if who the Bucs are going to be playing in the knockout round. If they don't make the knockout round, they still have games to fill there as well. So. There's a whole lot of unknown for this uh, upcoming week of the Bucks schedule. So keep it locked here on Locked on Bucks, and uh, we will help you sort through it all. For Camille, I'm Justin. We'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow.